Good morning, church. Good morning and welcome back to the house of God. It is my honor and privilege to be able to stand before you here this morning. First of all, I just want to, uh, just a quick question. How many of you were actually here for yesterday's a massive event? Just a quick show of hands. How many of you were here for that awesome and wonderful celebration? It was the wedding of our very own senior pastor's own son, Era and Minyi. So I just want to give a, a shout out and a congratulations again to our pastors. Congratulations on the uh, marriage of your son and your new daughter-in-law. And so I hope, Era and Minyi, you are also tuning in. Congratulations to you. And you know, obviously know the next step after marriage is kids. <laughs> and so uh, I don't mean to steal your thunder, but I just want to thank every one of you. Uh, I myself just had my own uh, daughter born 18 days ago, so I just want to thank every one of you. Here's a quick update. Uh, both mother and baby are doing well. Muriel, we call her Muriel, which means miracle. She was born on the 22nd of February. Uh, so the date is 2202022. And in case you're wondering, we could not wait for 2022, which is 8.22 p.m. Because, you know, it's just too tiring. <laughs> but yes, everyone is doing well. Here's another update. Uh, the, the two older my two older daughters are also loving um, the new addition to the family. We are all well. We're doing fine. We're tired. My daughters are a little bit under the weather. Uh, a little bit more cranky, but we are doing fine. And we certainly find strength in the grace of God. So we want, just want a quick shout out and thank you so much to each and every one of you. Those of you who dropped the messages, you know, you dropped prayers, support and blessings. Thank you so much. And I promise my wife I will not put the picture for more than 10 seconds. So we're done on that update. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Now, as Pastor Ming mentioned, we are looking into the book of First and Second Thessalonians. So today, it is the second, uh, second service in this series, and I'm actually going to be looking into two chapters in First Thessalonians chapter 2, as well as chapter 3. And it is still in line, or at least I'm going to try and tie it up to our major theme of the year, which is on new season and new opportunities. So what I want to talk about this morning is that in every season, tying into First Thessalonians chapter 2 and chapter 3, is that we need to have courage. Now say it with me. Courage. Courage. Say it again. Courage. Yeah, that's much better. And those of you online, type it in the comment section. Say courage. And that's what I'm going to look at this morning. And that's why the title of my sharing this morning is going to be The Courageous Christian. Amen? Let us look to, the, let, let's look to God in prayer. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just want to thank you once again, Lord, that you have uh, blessed us, Lord, with your awesome presence already in this place. We thank you, Lord, that we can gather in your house. And we thank you, God, that not only are we gathered in your house, but, Lord, we are able to enter into your, your throne room. We thank you, God, that we can come before you. We can dwell in your sweet presence and we can worship you. So this morning, Lord, even as we look to your word, oh God, may your anointing rest upon my lips and may your message go forth. Let us learn from your word, oh God, and let us learn how we can have courage so that we may grow in our faith and how we can be a blessing and influence in the season that, is, that, that we are currently in. So speak to us and bless us, Lord. We commit this morning's service into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, what does the courageous Christian mean? 
And in order for us to look into that, I wanted to break down into uh, the word courage specifically. So when I searched up Uncle Google, now Google came up with this definition that courage is the ability and the willingness to do something undesirable or that frightens you. Now, I see many of you taking pictures. You can easily just search it on Google and you'll be able to find it there. Now say it with me. Courage is the ability and willingness to do something undesirable or that frightens you. Now, how many of you can relate with this? You know that really at times, we as Christians, we need courage. And as I was preparing this morning's sermon, you know, I was pondering, I was praying, I was asking, should I call this morning's message brave? Or should I call it not afraid? And I finally decided to come to courage because, like it or not, there are seasons in my life where, yes, I do feel fear. So I cannot call it not afraid because in reality, we go through seasons where things frighten us. And then, when I thought about the word brave, I also um, hesitated because honestly, I don't always feel brave, in our, especially in our current season, especially when the pandemic first hit and we had so many worries and concerns about how our life will be affected. So I did not settle with not afraid. And I did not settle with brave because that's not how I always felt. But prayerfully, I, st- st- I st- uh, stuck with courage because of this definition. And it is something that all of us can be. We can be courageous Christians because we can have the ability and we can be willing to do the things that are undesirable to us and the things, even the things that frightens us. So this morning, after looking at the Word of God, I hope that we can all go out there. We are not always called to be fearless or brave, but we can have courage. And our courage is not placed in anything else other than the promises of God. We can face our fears. We can do the things that are undesirable because our courage is placed in God. Amen? Amen. And so that's why this morning we are going to look at how from Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, how we can have these uh, forms of courage. The first point that I'm going to look at is that we can have the courage to persevere through pain. Say it with me, persevere through pain. Now turn to your neighbor and say, persevere through pain. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. And I'll be reading from the NLT for most uh, of this morning's message. Verse 1, You yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure. You know how badly we had been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Yet our God gave us the courage to declare His good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. So you can see, we were not preaching with any deceit or impure motives or trickery. Now in the next slide, we can see that uh, there is a map. And this is Paul's second missionary journey. And 
Paul was at Troas, according to the book of Acts, when he had a dream about a Macedonian man inviting him to Macedonia, which is the region of Philippi, right at the top. And when we, and Paul was in Philippi, where we read in Acts chapter 16, this was where Paul and Silas were beaten up and thrown into jail. You all remember the story of Acts, right? And so after Paul was beaten up and thrown into the jail, then God sent the uh, earthquake and then the, the magistrates wanted to release him. That's where Paul said, you beat me up without giving me a fair trial. I am a Roman. You remember this? And then so, the magist- so they had to come and apologize and ask Paul to go. But Paul went through beatings, severe persecution, and he was thrown into jail. And that's why when Paul moved on after saying goodbye because of the riots that were rising in Philippi, he moved on to Thessalonica. And it is here in Thessalonica that the church has been established. And so Paul is saying that, you know that even though we suffered great persecution in Philippi, I'm still coming here to preach this good news. Now what is he saying? Many of us are familiar with the term, once bitten, twice shy. And it means that, you know, initially when we, are, when we do something, and if we were to get a bad response from it, we would be more cautious about it. Now, in the, in the past month or so, uh, in my own family, when the pandemic, when the Omicron variant was hitting our nation and the cases were super high initially, we got the very shocking and worrying news that our doctor, rather the hospital they were in, the hospital they were in would refuse to take my wife or me uh, to delivery if any of us were to, to, uh, to test positive. And this was extremely worrying for my wife and I because we had just started putting our two daughters in daycare. And you know how daycare, the kids mix and it's difficult to control the SOP. And then we were also told that if we were to test positive, the hospital would reject us and we had to find somewhere else. And this caused us a great deal of worry. And then what happened was that my daughter, true enough, fell sick the week before the delivery date. And we were all stressed out. We were praying. We were asking everyone to pray along with us. We were hoping that, you know, she had not tested positive. But we had to take uh, the... I gave her the RTK, the self-test, which was just an easy... Because she had runny nose, it was easy for me to just swipe up the the phlegm. And it it came out as negative. But the doctor, as well as her school, uh, insisted that we took a PCR test. Okay, so obediently we went. We went to uh, uh, get my daughter registered. We purchased the test for her. And as we were queuing up, I was already preparing her. Okay, you see what the doctor is doing? Huh? The doctor is just going to tickle your nose. No, it's not going to be uh, long. It's just going to be very quick. And I was trying my best to prepare her, prepare her, prepare her. But when we sat there and I held her in my arms, she freaked out. And, and because she freaked out and she tensed up, it caused a lot of pain in the nose when the doctor went tickling. And unfortunately, with, with this test, not only it went through the nose, but it had to go through the other side as well. So my daughter went through a lot of pain as a result of that. Now, thank God, by God's grace and protection, it was just a common cold. It wasn't Omicron. It was a relief to us because it meant that we could, we could have uh, the baby delivered in our hospital. But consequently... My daughter kept being sick. You know, it's probably one of those long-lasting colds. And I needed to do a self-test for her. 
And even though I, re- I told my daughter, remember the first time, but very easily, when Papa just tickle your nose outside, it won't hurt, it won't hurt. But she totally freaked out and she would not let me even take the, the mucus that was coming out. My younger girl also had a runny nose. Very easy, no problem. Very bravely, she just let me scoop up the mucus. But with my older girl, it was a tough challenge. It was too difficult. Because of her really bad experience of the PCR test, she absolutely freaked out and would not let me do the test a second time. And that's what happens to most of us as well. A painful experience causes us to be traumatized and causes us not to want to repeat the same incident. Now, in Paul's case, he preached the gospel at Philippi. And as a result of that, he was beaten, there was a riot, and he was thrown into jail. But when he came to Thessalonica, instead of cowering from the experience, instead of saying, too painful, no, I don't want to be beaten up and and accused falsely and to be thrown into jail, Paul does a very brave thing, courageous, to continue preaching the Word of God. And by doing this, all of us can see, and that's why Paul's argument is this, you know, because of my suffering in the past, I'm not preaching the gospel because of my own personal gain. Clearly. Because the result of Paul's preaching was beatings and suffering. So Paul is saying, you can see then, because I am continuing, persevering to preach the Word of God, my faith is genuine. And this message is true. I have no personal gain. This is the truth. And it is to gain, uh, is to benefit you. So for us, likewise, when we continue to persevere through our pains. Those who are around us can see that this this is authentic faith. When we continue to live a life of good testimony, we continue to show our neighbours, our family members, those who are around us, that we continue to journey in, in good faith, even though we may face troubles, even though we may face persecution from our even our loved ones around us, people will be able to see, hey, this we are not being Christians for personal gain. We're not being Christians just that, you know, we can come to a nice building, you know, we can talk about sweet grace and love and all that. Although those things are true. But Paul does teach us, and the Bible does teach us, that suffering and persecution will come along with our faith. And if we continue to persevere through whatever pain that comes, it shows that our testimony is authentic. And how many of us can testify? We can attest to how when we first became Christians, when we first accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Saviour, that our passion for God was on fire, that we would do all that we would to be a blessing to those who are around us. We would exhibit joy and we would show extravagant love to fellow believers and even to those who are around us. But how many of us can say that through the years, because of bad experiences, painful pasts, we are a lot more cautious now about being a good testimony or even sharing the gospel. Let us learn, like Paul and also the rest of the Thessalonian believers, that we can still be courageous Christians because when we persevere through our pain, our testimony is authentic. So say it again. Persevere through pain. Say it again. 
Persevere through pain. That doesn't sound very convincing. Maybe I should say, repeat, courage. courage. That's much better. We definitely need courage. We definitely need courage. Now, the second point that we want to look at is this. That the courageous Christian has the courage to praise through problems. Say it with me. Praise through problems. Very good. Type in the comment section, praise through problems. Let's look, we're going to jump now to verses 13 and 14 in the same chapter, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And so Paul, you know, you go, if you read along, Paul is, is praising the Thessalonians. You're doing a great job. Even though there's much persecution, you continue to accept the Word of God. And then he comes to verse 13. Therefore, we never stop thanking God that when you received His message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very Word of God, which of course it is. And this Word continues to work in you who believe. And then, dear brothers and sisters, you suffer persecution from your own countrymen. In this way, you imitated the believers in God's churches in Judea, who because of their belief in Christ Jesus, suffered from their own people, the Jews. So again, we know from this letter, as well as from uh, Acts chapter 17, that the same thing happened. When Paul continued to teach in the, in the synagogues over two or three weeks, the same thing began to happen. The rioting started. Of course, there were a few uh, Jews and there were many Gentiles also who accepted and they started the church in Thessalonica. But then there were many who opposed this message, many who did not accept that firstly, Jesus is the Messiah, and secondly, that there is a new king other than Caesar Augustus. So there was a huge writing in Thessalonica, and Thessalonica was one of the major cities in Paul's time. So a huge rioting, and as a result of the riot, once again, Paul had to leave, he got up, and he had to move south, I, I, I hope you remember the map, from Thessalonica, he had to move south to Berea. And then from Berea, again, the, the rioters from Thessalonica followed him to Berea, so he had to move further south to Athens. And then finally, from Athens, he moved to Corinth. Corinth and it is from Corinth that Paul wrote this letter to us. Okay, so that's just a little bit of a background for you. And in, it is in this um, letter that we read, the Thessalonian church, young as they may be in their faith, they continue to exhibit joy and continue to exhibit love in spite of the riots, in spite of the persecution and the ridicule that they definitely uh, faced because of their new faith. And so, Paul, even though going through much persecution, was able to praise through those persecutions. He was able to praise through problems. Now, looking at our own lives today, yes, we do face persecution, some more severe in experience than others, but we thank God we don't face the kind of persecution that Paul and the early churches did. There were writings, there were beatings, and there were throwing, uh, throwings into jail. These things may still be happening today. It still is. But we thank God, by His grace, we do not have to experience it. But we still go through problems. 
we still go through challenges in this life. Going back to my own experience as well. Now, my wife and the newborn uh, are in a confinement centre. We decided to place them there so that my wife can recover better uh, because, it is because of uh, elected caesarean. Uh, we knew that she needed a longer time for recovery and better care. And that's why I decided, because we have also two young girls at home, it would be a huge challenge uh, for my wife to rest and recover and care for the girls. That's why we, we believe the best option was to send her there, which then meant that it was me, down to me, to take care of my two girls at home. Now, I really want to say, you know, I really have to thank God for uh, parents and parents-in-law. I'm so grateful to both sides of our parents for throwing in so much support whenever we need it. But for me, taking care of two very young toddlers, emotional, <laughs> is a challenge. And I'm sure most of you who have parents, you know what I'm talking about. And somehow it seemed that my, my, my two kids are... I mean, if I compare, I want to say, wow, these two are so difficult. But I'm, I'm sure everyone has their own challenges. But this is what happened in the very first week when it was just me and the two girls home alone. In the very first week. I kid you not, the very first night, my youngest girl had explosive diarrhea. And so it was already bedtime, you know, I had already cleaned her, got her ready for, for, for bed, you know, given her milk, and we're, we're all ready to go to bed. And then suddenly, well, thank God for... Again, God's grace. Uh. Really, I could see God's grace throughout the, the episode. She got up from her bed, said, I got poo-poo. And she ran out, of the, <laughs> ran out of the room straight to our living room. Okay, so we live in a condo, so the room right, goes right to the living room and she stood there. And I could hear all the sounds. No, pra, pra, pra. I, don't need to I don't need to tell you all what explosive diarrhea sounds like. And I thought, okay, you know, we already got, these are very good mommy poco pants, okay? These are already considered quality ones because our, our neighbours blessed us with quality diapers. So we thought, mommy poco, you know, Japanese made, can tahan. But just in case, you know, I took the kitchen towels, I got a lot of um, um, uh, wet cloth, I got the sanitizer ready, I put it there. And the minute I sat down, you know, I sat down with her, all the poo-poo came out onto the floor. Ah, 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 panic, okay, okay, you know, don't touch, don't touch, don't touch. Okay, I had to grab all the toilet rolls, scoop it under her butt, pick her up, run to the toilet. The toilet is actually in our master bedroom. So we go, dup, 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 ah, catching droplets on my feet, running in the toilet, cleaning her up at the same time, tell her, don't touch, don't touch, don't touch. She's only one and a half. And then after cleaning her up, uh, I, uh, getting her washed up, changed, then I had to go and change the mat. At the same time, it, Toddlers are just so curious, and mine are just so active. What is I see poo-poo, I see poo-poo, I see poo-poo. And I was like, no, don't go there, stay away, I'm going to clean it. And did I, say, did I mention I had two toddlers? So that was just one. And then the days after that, I kid you not, this is what happened. First night, it was poo-poo. Second night, uh, again, my, my younger toddler, she is very independent. Very adamant. And because there's an older Cheche, everything older Cheche does, she wants to follow. Okay, so we have these milk bottles. And after they're done with the milk bottle, I told them, okay, when you're done with the milk bottle, pass to Papa, and then I'll put it in the sink. Now, my older girl, because she's taller and she's more capable, she actually went to me where I was in the kitchen and she placed it on top of the countertop. Very easy, no problem for her. But Mei Mei sees Cheche and wants to follow. 
Now, I already told them to hand it to me because these bottles were made of glass and on hindsight, I have no idea who ever thought that making glass bottles for baby was a brilliant idea. <laughs> but, you know, on hindsight, it's not. And little Meme, very short, not as tall as Cheche, decides that she wants to put it on the countertop. I told her to hand it to Papa. No. Uh, she doesn't speak very well, but no seems to be a, something that she knows. And she decides that I want to put it on top and lo and behold, she's not tall enough and the bottle came crashing and it smashed all over my kitchen floor. Ah, 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 okay, don't move, don't move, don't move. I tell you, I was like, pick her up. Okay, don't move, don't touch. Okay, it's okay, it's okay. At the same time, there's a crying toddler. There's it. And the other time, there's a very excited cheche screaming, shouting. I had to calm them both. Calm down, calm down, don't move. I had to keep... Oh, honestly, okay, I have to admit this. In the end, I had to lock them in their room. <laughs> Because the two girls were not only excited about the broken glass, but they wanted to climb on me while I'm picking it up. And I just could not handle it. So I said, okay, you stay in the room. I locked them in there. Give me five minutes to quickly sweep up, vacuum, mop. I had to do all this in under five minutes. And then put the stuff away. And you know, the third night, <laughs> the third night you remember when there was a really massive storm and then there were trees falling down. Uh, so... So the, uh, the park that I usually bring my girls to, wow, the tree, a massive tree, snapped at the, tra at the trunk. Wow, you know, I, I really, as I look at it, I was like, thank God that, um, that it fell during the storm because at least there were no children at the park. Uh, it, this tree must have been old and rotting and if it had fallen any other time, there could have been kids who were injured. But no, it didn't. And then the, the, the tree fell there and I was like, wow, look, kids, this, this is the park. And then my kids were like, oh, no more park, no more park. And I said, no, no, they'll clean. But that's not the story. When I went home, um, usually it's very common that, you know, when we come out from the lift, the lift landing area, it is flooded because of the rain, because it, uh, the walls are open. And so I thought, okay, the floor is wet. Uh, come, Papa will carry both of you. So I had to carry both of them with all the luggage. I thought, oh, you know, um, and the back pain. And I thought, this is really tough and difficult. But thank God I decided to carry them, or thank God the, the prompting of the Holy Spirit told me to carry them. Because when in the darkness, I couldn't really see, I brought them in, opened the door, took them in, and after putting them to sleep, when I came out to clear the mess in the front, there was broken glass. I have no idea where the broken glass came from because there was no windows, there's no glass whatever, but there were broken glass on the pathway leading into our door. And I was thinking, God, what in the world? And in a not-so-quiet voice, I said, God, is this a test? definitely way more emotional then. And I was telling my wife, you know, what on earth, you know? On the very first, the very first week, all these three things are happening and I have two hyper girls jumping around like little monkeys. I'm like, God, are you testing me? <laughs> and and uh, in the midst of it all, you know, as I was talking to my wife praying, you know, she shares this this verse, James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. So clever in the comfort of the confinement center. <laughs> because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. Now, I'm not saying that this is equal to persecution. 
that people face. But what I am saying is that we have a responsibility that even in the midst of all these kinds of testings and trials, that we have to persevere in our faith. We continue to trust in God. And the third thing, praise through the problems. We have to praise God through the problems. And I was saying, oh God, you know, so how, I, I am honestly telling you, I'm frustrated. I'm, uh, I'm lacking sleep. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm in pain and I'm grumpy all the time. How, God, am I able to praise? And I'm thinking, God, why, well, you know, I see other people so easy, but how come, you know, like Pastor Jared family, like amazing, perfect, you know, they're all, the kids all so well behaved. And then you know what happened? I was like, I was like saying, God, it is, it's too difficult. I, I, I'm too frustrated. I, I, I find it very hard to praise. You know what happened? What happened? Next day, you know, my, um, my kids were watching cartoon, VeggieTales. I don't know if you are familiar, but VeggieTales is basically a cartoon about animated vegetables that teaches uh, spiritual lessons from the Bible. And I was carrying my younger daughter and my older daughter was sitting down there and it was an episode about how one of the characters got an, um, has a new little baby sister. And the character was complaining, Mom and Dad, why is it that everything I do is wrong but everything baby does is cute? And I was like, oh, very important lesson. Good that my daughter is listening. And out of nowhere, the daughter whom I'm carrying turn to me and say, don't compare. <laughs> this girl who mainly says, no, <laughs> said, don't compare. I ran to grandma. I said, grandma, did you hear that? Did you teach Tasha, uh, Tasha, my younger daughter, did you teach Tasha how to say don't compare? She said, no, first time. And wow, it was like a light bulb moment. It hit me. Don't compare. Don't compare. And I believe, you know, I was like, wow, conviction of the Holy Spirit right there at that moment. Don't compare your journey with other people. You may think that other people, Christian, walk so easy, you know, perfect. God's blessing is only on them, but what about me? But we don't see their troubles and we don't see their problems. What we do see, however, is what people make public. And if we learn to praise through the problems. We still praise God. You know, consider it pure joy even though we are tested and uh, we face trials. People will be, will be able to see that and they will be encouraged. We need to continue to persevere through our seasons and praise through our problems. Third one. The third point that we can learn is that the courageous Christian has the, ability, has the courage to love people and to love, live pure lives. First Thessalonians chapter 2, um, 7 to 8 and 11 shelf. Now as apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you. But instead, we were like children among you, or we were like a mother feeding and caring for our own children. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. And then verse 11, And you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. We pleaded with you, we encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. For He called you to share in His kingdom and His glory. And so I hope you forgive me. You know, you're probably thinking, wow, Pastor Donnie, keep talking about family only. But the reality is this. 
the reason why I have been talking about my family is that Paul very often and God himself tells us that the church of God is like a spiritual family. And in the spiritual family, we face a lot of problems. We face a lot of persecution sometimes. Isn't it sad sometimes that we, we even face persecution not from outside, but even from within our spiritual family? And here is Paul's teaching that we need to practice parental gentleness. We, teach, we care for one another as though we are treating them like young, gentle children. We need to be attentive and to the needs of one another. And we need to genuinely love others, sharing ourselves as we share the gospel of God. And this is what I believe Paul is saying. Now, discipleship, which is what we're embarking on, a disciple-making a disciple church being disciples of God. Discipleship is not an event in a classroom. It's not you guys sitting down here listening to the Word of God, although this is beneficial, yes. But discipleship is also a way of life. Paul was in Thessalonica maybe three weeks, at most a month, before he had to leave. Paul was not there to be able to conduct Bible study classes. He was not able to teach. But it, it, we can see that it is a, a result of the persecution. Because Paul had to leave the Thessalonica that we have the letters today. It's because of bad things and, and storms in Paul's life that we have so many of his writings. If Paul could stay in those cities and continue teaching, we wouldn't have these. And so God has his purpose of eternal goodness, of eternal benefit, even in trials and uh, persecution in our life. So discipleship, what discipleship is in Paul's life is living with the Thessalonians. He worked hard, he lived with them, he shared a meal with them, he cared for them, he loved them, and then he checked up on them. So the result of First Thessalonians, the, re the reason why he wrote this letter is because Paul was concerned about the church and wanted to write to them, ask, how are you doing? You know, is everything well? And then he had to send Timothy to the message to see, check on them, you know, are they okay? You know, have they uh, lost their faith because of the persecution? And because Timothy came back with a good news, ah, their faith stayed strong. They continued to love each other. They continued to exhibit joy, even in the face of persecution. Paul was delighted, and that's why he wrote this letter. He wrote this letter to encourage them. I'm so happy. I'm so glad. You know that when I was with you, I loved you. I cared for you. I lived among you. Church, we need the courage to love people and to live pure lives. Exemplary testimonies. Because, and I'm going to put this forward to you, discipleship is not just learning in a classroom setting. Discipleship is living a good testimony out there. So because of Paul's good life, good testimony, he was so exemplary, exemplary to the people around him. He was able to uh, make courageous and joyful disciples. Disciple-making is a lifestyle. Yes, there, yes, definitely benefit in teaching, definitely. But most of it is in living out there. Lastly, uh, in 
chapter 3, verses 12 to 13, Paul writes this, And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow just as our love for you overflows. May He, as a result, make your hearts strong, blameless, and holy as you stand before God our Father when our Lord Jesus comes again with all His holy people. Amen. Paul was producing courageous Christians who knew how to love and care for one another, who knew how to persevere through their pains, who knew how to praise through their problems, who knew how to love people and live pure lives. Those were the kind of disciples that Paul was making. The question that we have to ask ourselves is this, what kind of disciples are we producing? Discipleship begins at home. Discipleship begins with how much we exhibit love, joy, and all the good characters of God to our own family members. You know, um, talk about my family again. Uh, you know, as I said, tired, grumpy, and in pain most of the time. There are many times where I felt, oh, I couldn't talk anymore, and I had to step, snap at my kids. And I thank God, you know, my older girl, she's, she's hugely emotional. Hugely emotional. She, she loves deeply, but she also gets angry very fast. Um, but I thank God that she knows how to control herself. Uh, whenever she's angry, she does not lash out or she does not hit. I said, wow, you know, this is really good. Uh, even though when the meme bites her or snatches a toy, she will just shout, but she will control herself. I think this is a really good, maybe not so much of me, but my wife. My wife can really control herself. And my second one, um, you know when I'm scolding her, my eldest girl can tell, Papa, calm down, breathe. <laughs> Where we are discipling little disciples, even in our homes. And what kind of disciples we are building at home depends on how we behave. Not just what we say, but our own behavior. We need courage to love people and live pure lives, wherever we may be. Can I invite the worship team to come back on stage and just play at the background? And this is a sermon that um, I read, a sermon that I heard from a, a church in Scotland one day. And the sermon goes like this, beautiful poem. I'd rather one walk with me than merely show the way. The eye is a better pupil, more willing than the ear. Good counsel is confusing, but example is always clear. Let me say it again. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one would walk with me than merely show the way. The eye is a better pupil, more willing than the ear. Good counsel can be confusing, but an example is always clear. How we live our lives is a better lesson um, to those around us. And you know, as I was preparing this sermon last night, uh, there's actually a fourth point. But what happened was that my youngest girl 
persistently and insist that Papa come to bed with her, you know, put her to sleep. One last story, I promise. One last story about family. So, you know, uh, she goes to bed about 8.30. So I thought, okay, never mind. I'll just put her to sleep, you know, pet her to sleep, you know, feed her milk, everything. And she was uh, lights out by 9 o'clock and I come out to prepare the sermon. But for some reason last night, you know, she woke up many times. And she would come out, you know, dragging her chut-chut, we call the pacifier, and her blanket, and her groggy, she'll come to me as I'm working, and she'll say, Papa, come, Papa, come, Papa, come. I say, okay, okay. So I go back in, pet her, make sure she's gone back to sleep, and I come out again. And she does this again. She gets up and comes to me for three times. And I thought, oh, you know, the, uh, uh, I said, oh, go back to sleep. Papa is just outside. I'm just outside the room. I'm just, I'm doing a little bit of work and I'll come when I'm done and come when I'm done. But she insisted and insisted. So, uh, not wanting her to linger outside, okay, I went with her. And you know what she did this time? She was so persistent. After asking me to sleep, sleep, sleep and knowing that I escaped, she decides to get up and plop on my body. And I kid you not, her very soiled diaper was on my face. <laughs> and she just lay there. She said, you know, Papa keeps escaping. Now you cannot. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I, I shoved her butt out of my face. Sorry, I hope that's not too crude. But a very soiled diaper, I shoved it all over my face. But you know, she was very adamant not to let me go. And she just lay there. And I thought, you know what? Already three times she came and called me. And then now she's like, okay, la, okay, la, you win. The fourth type of courageousness that we need to have is that the courageous Christian needs to, has the courage to pray persistently. And many of you, you know, brilliant Bible scholars, you are well learned. You know that this has parallel to the parable of the persistent widow in the book of Luke chapter 18. The Bible tells us, you know, if we are persistent in our prayers, if we continue to seek God and ask God and ask God and ask God, He will give us what it is that we ask for. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. We need to pray persistently. In fact, we even need the courage to pray. You know, this week and this sermon really, I have been uh, honest with you about my emotions. And sometimes they are really raw. And when I go through frustrations in life, honestly, I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like praying because, well, I'm frustrated. God, why are you letting these things happen? I'm frustrated. You know, I'm upset with you. I feel like I cannot talk to you. Confession, uh, please don't follow my example. Confession. Oh, the other thing is, because I have gone through that kind of emotions and frustrations, I feel that I'm sorry, I failed you. So it's a, it's a vicious cycle. And because I feel like, God, I failed you, I'm sorry, I'm not worthy, and I don't feel that I can come to you. And life is like that. We have ups and downs. We have challenging seasons that affect us. But you know what? My emotions, up and down, feeling frustration, feeling unworthy, these emotions do not trump, they do not cancel out the truth and the promises that are in the Bible. Because God's Word tells us that He is ever-present. He will never leave us, 
nor abandon us. The Word of God, the truth and His promises says that God is faithful, that He will be with us wherever we go. So take courage, for He will never leave you. God's Word tells us that His love is unconditional. It's not only when you live up to His standards. It's not only when you are perfect in obeying His every word. But God's love is unconditional and His love never fails. Just because I don't feel that God is there does not mean that He isn't. That's why we need to equip ourselves with the Word of God. We need to equip ourselves with the truth and the firm foundation because you know why? If ever we waver in our faith, if ever we allow our emotions to get the better of us, if ever we allow the things and the storms around us to affect us, that's where the devil is going to attack with his lies. That's where the devil is going to tell you, you're not good enough. You have no future. God would never love you. The lies of the enemies comes in when you are at your weakest. Equip yourselves with the truth of God. Equip yourselves with the promises that He's given you so that when the storms of life hits, even if you don't feel like it, you hang on to the truth, the promises in God's Word. I thank God that my wife is godly. I thank God that I have so many friends, brothers and sisters like you, where at times, you know, they, there is a, 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 an encouragement. There's a message, how are you? Uh, we're praying for you. And, and then there are times there are many blessings that come in as well. Church, my family, this is disciple making in its example. And we can learn to show this kind of disciple-making to one another when we continue to express our concern, when we continue to express our support, our love, and our encouragement to each other. This is a biblical way of disciple-making. And let me encourage us to continue to grow. Yes, we have to read the Word of God, definitely. But more importantly, we need to live it out. So this morning... I want to pray. I want to pray for courage. We all go through our seasons. We all go through our ups and downs. But we need courage. The ability and the willingness to do the things that are unpleasant or the things that frightens you. What are your fears today? What are the things that are frightening you today. Take courage. God is with you. Take courage. There are brothers and sisters around you who can encourage you, who can go with the journey with you, who can support you. That's why we have the family of God. 